Welcome to a special episode of Dr. James Beckett's Sports Card Insights. My guest, my subject today is actually my father. I'm labeling this as a, as a pre-tribute. Today actually is my dad's 94th birthday, and he's started strong and finishing strong. I recorded this earlier this week, the interview part, and I'm adding a little prelude to it to mention the sponsors and other other info. But my dad is James Beckett Jr. I'm James Beckett III. I got a love of baseball and a love of sports from my dad, also from my mom, but I'll, I'll deal with my mom on her birthday, which will be another uh, wonderful episode. Uh, my dad had a, 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 a great corporate career with uh, large companies, Continental Can and Coca-Cola, and then had uh, his own business uh, where my, my brother was heavily involved in that, and they exited from that, but my dad's always been uh, a hard worker and involved in uh, business or uh, a lot of uh, ministry and volunteer work over the last uh, couple of decades. So he's uh, indeed finishing finishing well, finishing strong. Well, thank the sponsors. I've got great sponsors. I've got Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication, ComC, Burbank Sports Cards, Mike Stadium Sports Cards, Heritage Auctions, Huggins and Scott Auctions, Panini, Tops, and Upper Deck. And just worthy of note, there's a couple of dads of the sponsors that are also worthy of honor. Perhaps we'll get to that. Uh, when I talked to Chris Ivey of Heritage Auctions, I, I have known his dad for a long time, an outstanding guy. The, one of the co-founders of Heritage and an outstanding, more of a, a in the coin business, and Stephen Veras, Rob's dad, that I've been around on a number of occasion, occasions, and uh, again, a delightful guy, again, a very hard worker, and uh, been an inspiration to Rob. So uh, perhaps you can have warm feelings for your dad as you listen to me give a little bit of a, of a, of a pre-tribute uh, to my dad. So without further ado, here is the interview of my dad. Dad, welcome to the podcast. I've been wanting to do this for a long time to get your perspective on what it was like before I was born when you were a collector, and it seemed like some of that was with your brother. The years of the cards that I got back at Christmas of 1959 were from 1933, when you would have been eight and your brother would have been seven, up through 1941, when you would have been 16 and your brother would have been 15 or 14 and a half. So do you remember that? And one more thing, the cards from the, the, the older cards were a lot more dog-eared and had been more played with than the, the newer ones when you were a teenager. Do you have any recollection of that? Not of the dog-eared, but I'm sure that I didn't treat them with kindness like you do now. With well, your, did you flip them? Encasing them. I don't remember doing that. And I don't remember Tom being too involved either. Well, were they... Uh, were they a joint collection, or were they yours, and he tagged along as the little brother, or, or did you, I mean, how did that come about? There was a, a kind of a candy store on Western Avenue, which was walkable from where our apartment was. It was maybe a half mile, and you could get candy for a penny. You could get cards for a penny. Cards for a penny. And I think you might even have gotten two cards on some of them for a penny. And so we'd go down there in a gang, three or four guys. I don't remember Tom uh, either doing the candy or the cards. He just was there, and... He's just and a little. He wasn't really, you know, the sixteen-month difference in age was kind of a uh, wasn't was a little bit too much at that point for us to to get together and throw cards. I, I don't remember doing. It. I remember the Jim Bottomley card yeah. uh, for the art, artwork and his hat turned sideways. Yes, but I don't remember anything else. I don't remember any 
high value that I was going to be a, a collector and, and make a lot of money. It was just a, a good thing to have. Fun well, you thing. had a Babe Ruth. You had a Babe Ruth. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, I hate to tell you that the statute of limitations is uh, confession. Uh, expired on that. But uh, you had a, but the quarters were kind of rounded a little bit. It looked like it had been well examined and and uh, and, and played with. But do you remember trading with uh, any other kids in the neighborhood? I think Dick Kirkley traded some cards. But you got to remember the money, the money thing was. Uh, I don't know why that would be well, in depression. my mind, but I, I just yeah. don't think there, that one cent candy store was never crowded. <laughs> yeah. Did um, were you allowed to bring the cards to school? Because at some, at some points, I don't remember. The teachers thought it was a distraction and didn't want. I'm just wondering if that was something you experienced, or whether teachers thought this is a good way for young boys to learn reading and math skills. Well, that's what you did, but I I can remember some of the stuff on the back side of the card. But then I wasn't competing with anybody to know more than they knew on the cards and. I was more related to the Chicago Cubs than I was to so you were, any individual you were, card. You, you'd grown up to that point in Chicago area in yeah. Evanston, so, and you're a Cubs fan. Cubs fan, because you were because Chicago on the North side. White Sox was in a kind of a bad spot it's, it is today. And uh, I went down there with Tom and went to the games in Comiskey Park and got a couple of foul balls. Uh, but ba- basically, I was, a, I was a Cub fan. Okay. And they were all day games, so for the most part. And so my parents trusted us to... Actually, go down by ourselves on to, the on the elevator L, L yeah. train. Hmm. One other thing I remember that that served me well in my business of part of the legacy or the wisdom transfer that I got from you is I remember you coming back from work from being at a at a business seminar. You were in corporate America, and this perhaps was in Pittsburgh, and you came back and told us about a work simplification seminar or day or continuing ed thing that you had done and you gave us kids we had a dinner table talk and and uh, i suppose uh, other talk about what that really meant that it wasn't just for big business it was a way to look at uh, a problem or an issue and break it down and put it back together do you remember that well i don't remember that part i remember that being selected for it with one other guy and i was a I was an also ran. Somebody either couldn't or wouldn't go. And mom and I went together. For, I think yeah. you might have been there part or all of that time. It was a beautiful setting at Sea Island, Georgia, where we went. That's and a Alan nice Mo- assignment. <laughs> a good assignment. Yeah. And, and Alan Morganson was a, was a giant. Okay. Uh, work simplification was a really a, a I think of te- Texas Instruments was what he talked about a lot, that they are the ones that people interact at different levels of the corporation. And wind up with ideas. What uh, uh, your, your corporate career, I could kind of break it up into two parts. And I, I had a similar track that you, you worked for others. You were in, in a larger corporate America. And then you had the second half was your entrepreneurial phase. And I, I tracked that same way. And, and uh, some of my siblings have had that same story. But what, what was it about the smaller business that you really enjoyed? Because the hobby of collecting sports cards, except for the card companies, it's it's just totally a bunch of small businesses that, that seem to have a lot of fun. So my thesis is that smaller business is more fun. Has that been your experience? Well, I think you're in a, in a big company, and, and you really, especially in those days, you couldn't move uh, stuff around, and, and uh, there was a lot of uh, overseeing and, and reporting on Minuti I. I remember with Coca-Cola, if you had a variance in any one account of 
I think it was $15 or something like that from budget. They wanted an explanation on that. One of the things that I did, and it's come up in a previous version, uh, edition or episode of the podcast about how some of the ways in a small company, we did things that would be considered to be against the grain just because they're, we didn't do anything illegal, but some of the conventional wisdom we, we, we went counter to. And I'm wondering in your, that that was fun for me to say everybody else does it everybody's zigging but i think if we zag we did you have those experiences am i is that hereditary as well in, in fibernet fibernetics and some of the other uh, smaller businesses did you kind of rewrite rules or make some new rules we we did a lot of acquisitions i mean when you look back at fibernetics and the real estate company we had several acquisitions and and that was fun i mean to, and i don't know that i did that great a job on it but uh, i enjoyed that that i could Sit there in the chair against the guy and, and see if we can work something out. Well, there's a there's a corporate hierarchy with uh, with these uh, large companies, and it's uh, my experience is, is sometimes uh, you don't know who's going to get the credit for your idea, and frequently it's not you. Whereas yeah. in a small yeah. company, if you mess up, people can see it, but if you do something good, it's 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 very noticed and and appreciated and makes a difference. And that's our listeners are. Uh, either collectors or dealers or people in this industry who are making decisions about how to run their business or how to spend their money. And uh, it's there's there's really not that many. Well, there's a lot of gray area. There's a lot of gray area. So you could make a decision that seems bad now. And it could uh, again, I've I've told people that this is an industry. If you're a dealer or a collector, it's the only it's one of the few industries where if you don't sell your inventory, it appreciates rather and depreciates. <laughs> and that's uh, makes you wonder, do I really want to sell this if it's going to be worth more next year than it is right now? Yeah, no sure things. But I think I'm. We're all a work in progress, so I don't think that I'm, I've uh, arrived anywhere, but I'm, I'm blessed to have uh, a godly father who was a good example in business and actually also relevant to this podcast, a good example in collecting sports cards. If you hadn't collected dad, maybe, and your, and your mom and dad hadn't saved them, which you attribute that to your mom, not your dad, right? I did what? You attribute the fact that your cards were saved to your mom, not your dad, probably. Oh, yeah. Because they were up in the attic. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's all for today. Okay. Uh, we'll maybe uh, do another um, return with my dad. Just want to honor him, and we'll uh, we'll. Uh, Can we talk maybe, about the Babe Ruth card again? Uh, it's, that's 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 long gone now. That's long gone. So, anyway, thanks, Dad. We'll talk again. Uh, other than just the podcast, nice did, to come over and visit with you. Did you feel better telling me that about the Babe Ruth card after <laughs> all these the years? Dog-eared. Well, they were. They, you know, that's just that's, a, that's actually just the tip of the iceberg. That's a great one. Thanks, Dad. Uh, thanks, everybody. We'll talk again tomorrow. Okay.